Now it's Just Plane Radio. Yeah. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I can fly. Take me to the Brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. It's your lucky day. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. You got a plane. Call Just Plane Radio toll free now at 888-884-2FLY. And the sky's the limit. That's 888-884-2359. Sir, I'd like you to take the helm, please. I'd be glad to. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me, along with Captain Dennis. We're your crew today on Just Plane Radio, the show devoted to the aviation lifestyle and learning to fly. A lot of stuff to uh, navigate through today, including uh, five tips to make your pre-flight a little better. Plus, uh, Dennis, we have uh, booked a guest. uh, Well, he's actually helping you out with some new numbers on your Mooney 201, correct? Is that it? Yep. I want to go back to the Bahamas, and I really don't want to do the duct tape thing again. Yeah, it just so looks uh, I, I had to enlist some some professional help and, and advice. And so we have uh, Craig from Scheme Designers that's going to join us later in the show today. All right. We got that. But first, drugs and flying and how they don't mix, but unfortunately, they often do. Is that what this uh, study is that the FAA just put out? What is this? Well, it's actually a study they did back in 2011, but uh, it's one of those uh, FAA safety topic of the months that they've they've sent out to all of their fast team reps, such as myself. And I just thought it was uh, really interesting that 42% of the pilots that were killed in accidents um, during this 2011 study had drugs or medications in their systems. Mm. And the study goes on, goes on to say that, you know, that's not necessarily the cause of it, but it does beg the question, why were they taking those medications? You know, they could have been over the counter. It could have been prescribed, but should they have been flying? Did it cause any, you know, any impairment? And so it was very interesting reading, you know, what the FAA's position was on this. And it got me to thinking that as pilots, we should probably consider some of these, uh, you know, reasons for why an AME would deny a medical if you're taking medications. And it may have nothing to do with, with the effect of the medicine on your body, but actually why you're taking the medicine in the first place. Okay, I mean, so we're not take, talking about weed and flying over Colorado, well, or are we? Actually, that is one of the one of the disqualifying uh, medications. Actually, if, if you disclose to your AME that you were uh, using some of the Colorado herbal treatments, mm-hmm. um, they can actually deny your medical because it can cause uh, mood changes, and that's a disqualifying condition as a pilot. It just mellows me out, man. I, you know. I don't want too much pressure on this oral uh, exam you're about to give me. Uh, he's not going to respond well to that, I'm guessing. No, probably not. But um, really, this it, study doesn't talk about that as much as as it does, like over-the-counter drugs, like uh, cold medicine and stuff like that. Right. Antihistamines were, were definitely uh, very common. Um, and if you think about it, a lot of those antihistamines have you know the ability to cause you uh, drowsiness. And is that something you want when you need to be alert as in an airplane? Nope. Not at all. Not unless we're flying the new Cirrus or, or, or Piper with the auto land button that your passenger <laughs> can press. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do a weed landing, man. Just press this button and we're good. No, yeah, I don't. no, we don't want to do that. So no, They're not going to pass you with that kind of attitude. All right, so yeah. uh, we're talking about cold medicine. Uh, antihistamines, that kind of thing, how it could well, make you muscle, drowsy. Well, muscle relaxants, yeah. even diet supplements can, you know, a lot of those diet supplements uh, increase your metabolism or 
you know, kind of give you the jitters. It's like a high dose of caffeine. And if you really want that while you're flying, all of these things, even sleep aids. Yeah, they help you sleep. But the problem is they have a really bad hangover effect the next day. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Really dopey. I totally get the sleep aids and the antihistamines or cold medicines making you tired. But uh, the diet medicines, if they speed you up like speed or something and make you more alert, like you've drank, uh, you know, three cups of coffee or something, uh, your examiner might be okay with that. Not necessarily. I mean, you've got uh, those... uh, Dietary supplements can be causing your heart to be, you know, beating a lot faster than necessary, which could create other problems Mm. or worse yet, when they wear off, they can have a crash effect. And so all of a sudden you're really hyperactive and then boom, you know, now all of a sudden you're in a, in a slump, uh, not a good situation. You want to be level, um, and don't want to have, uh, medications changing your, you know, state of alertness and things like that as you're flying. You need to be focused on flying the airplane, not worrying about the side effects. Got it. So the overall uh, moral of this story or, or what they're trying to get across is that that a lot of pilots are under the influence of some kind of medication uh, and, and stuff that you wouldn't normally consider, you know, uh, drugs. But uh, these are over-the-counter type of things, and you just got to be aware of their uh, potential effects. And, and also the examiner needs to be aware of it and could potentially fail you if he finds out you are on that. Is that what they're saying or what? They could exactly. But, uh, what they, what they really recommend you do is t- before you take any drugs and fly is consult with your aviation medical examiner. It, it really shouldn't be a relationship that you see that doctor once a year or once every five years. You know, if you have a question about what's the uh, implications of taking Sudafed and flying, Talk to your AME and he'll probably tell you, I, you take it to treat the symptom, but don't fly. And also you, as soon as you finish taking it, uh, you, that doesn't clear you to fly either. They, there's a certain amount of time that the effects can still be in your system. And the, the recommended guidelines from the FAA are to wait at least five times the dose interval. Hmm. So if you're supposed to take it every six hours, um, they recommend that you wait five times six hours or 30 hours before resuming flight duties. By that time, the drug should be completely out of your system and you should be back to normal. Right. Sounds like a great idea if you have endless amounts of time, but I'm guessing not many people or pilots listening right now. So I, I, I'm going to abide by that. They're just, they, you know, they, it just that isn't real world, you think? Well, and that's the problem. That's the whole point that they're trying to get across is that, you know, if you're not feeling good, ground yourself. That was the whole premise behind basic med is that we as pilots are smart enough to know when we shouldn't be flying and won't. And a lot of people try to push it. Oh, I'll get a little stuffy head. I'll just take some sinus, you know, Sudafed or something like that and I'll be fine. But they're not taking into account that it can cause diminished mental capabilities or make them drowsy. And that that's not something you want as a pilot. It's certain something your passengers don't want in their pilot. So take a minute. And realize that you can always postpone that flight or go another day. If you're sick, you're sick. Don't push it. Yeah. Got it. Just, uh, just, well, you got to know yourself, but you got to be aware of the side effects of these over the counter medications, uh, you know, that you normally wouldn't think uh, would be an issue and just be aware that they potentially could be. That's what they're trying to get across. Exactly. And if you do have to go to the doctor for something and they want to prescribe you a medication, you know, say maybe you're starting to get high blood pressure or something like that. Talk to that doctor and ask them, hey, is this medication okay to fly with? 
And if they don't know, then find a doctor that does or consult with an AME so that you make sure that you're not taking some medication that's on the disqualifying list because that's the last thing you want to have to do is go through the whole special issuance process because they prescribed you a medication that's not on the FAA's approved list for flight. So there's just a lot of uh, a lot of things to take into account. You you know the health is a serious issue, and we as pilots need to be aware of that because we are the only person that can really stop ourselves from flying when we don't feel well. Yeah, well, it's a little eye opening to think that what is it? Forty two percent of pilots were found to be on something. That's a yeah, little higher percentage than the- <laughs> I think uh, even the general population would be comfortable with. You think? What they didn't break it down with is it could have been you know. Maybe a high blood pressure medication that would have no effect that was prescribed by a doctor and was fine, but it was still in their system. So 42% of those um, fatalities had some sort of medication in their system. Right. And then there's always the booze. But what what is it? Eight well, hours throttle to something? What is it? Eight thing? hours bottle to throttle and no more than 0.04%. Right. But uh, they don't make you wait five times the effects of booze. It's just eight hours. Well, what is the dosing interval on on, on beer and rum? I, uh, you know, it depends on the rum. <laughs> is is the glass empty? <laughs> exactly. So five times how long it takes you to drink a, a glass would be the dosing interval, right? Well, the hangover lasts at least a good day or so, depending on uh, how much. Well, that's what the oxygen bottle's for, Greg. Okay. I, I've never used it. You thought that, that was for high altitude. That's right. I never, you know, there's another uh, benefit of having your own aircraft. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, these, some of this stuff is just kind of reminders, happy, you know, friendly reminders that, uh, this stuff may be affecting you longer than you anticipate. And, you know, those items that you don't think are going to have an effect at all. And you just kind of, you know, like uh, popping an aspirin, does that count? I I guess an aspirin wouldn't be that well. I mean, headache. But why are you taking the aspirin? Do you have a headache? Right. And why, you know, why do you have the headache? Is there some other condition that it could be masking that could then cause a problem? Drunk. Well, (laughs) (laughs) kind of goes back to the eight hour throttle to bottle or boy, vice versa. Take that flip it, I think, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But a little common sense, a little friendly reminder from our friends at the FAA. And uh, a good thing for, uh, what, National Safety Month, or this is their topic of the month. Their topic of the month for safety. All right, we're just passing it along here on Just Plane Radio. Okay, coming up next, how to make your plane numbers look even cooler than they already do. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. 
Flightstudy.com. Whether you're a flight student, an experienced pilot, or simply an aviation enthusiast, there is a place for you as a member of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. Join AOPA to get the latest general aviation news, safety resources, and technical support you need to sharpen your skills and become a central part of the nation's vibrant general aviation community. Learn more about becoming a member at AOPA.org. That's AOPA.org. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. You graduated at the top of your class with honors and were enrolled in pilot school. But then your mommy got sick and you had to take other jobs to make ends meet. I mean, it must have been really hard being up there slinging V8 juice when you should have been captain of the ship. What is this? Somebody enrolled somebody back into pilot school. So what do you say we quit that dead-end job you're in and put your mommy in a real nice home, something with 24-hour care on me, and not one of them Bangham and Binham joints, something really nice. It would be nice to go back to pilot school. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis. And uh, someone who's trying to give him an upgrade on his, uh, you know, the look of his Mooney 201. We have Craig. What is the name of the company again? <laughs> the company is called Scheme Designers. Okay. Paint Scheme Design Company. How did you get into this business of like, uh, well, I mean, this is, you know, you do paint schemes for entire aircraft, but you kind of worked on just his numbers. Is that right? Or do you just specialize in making numbers look great? Uh, no, uh, we only very occasionally do only numbers. Most of what we do is entire designs of paint schemes and then to a lesser extent vinyl designs. Got it. And now, have it. Mm-hmm. Dennis, your, your Mooney 201, now we had to use, uh, you know, duct tape to get back from the Bahamas last time and it, it looked a little trashy there, Craig. So I know I, I've <laughs> yeah, seen I the, the photos. Yeah, you okay. So you felt, you, you felt uh, sympathetic to uh, his situation. Indeed. And I and I saw the mock-ups. They look great. It's definitely going to be an awesome uh, upgrade. And we, we won't get looked down upon next time, I have a feeling, when we did. Because we, when we came into Fort Lauderdale, I mean, Dennis remembers this, uh, you know, uh, quite well. When we pulled up next to that Cirrus jet and the guy kind of looked at it like, oh, what the hell is that? Well, I guess that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to see who on earth is going to get out of that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And we have a reputation. I should have had the hayseed hat on and everything. I would have fit right in there. Right. right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we have a reputation to uh, live down to, and, and we achieved that goal, I think, that day. But 
We're, we're trying to go for an upgrade. So is this the kind of thing you, uh, I mean, you say it's rare that you just focus on numbers like uh, Dennis's situation. Is that right? Correct. I mean, over the years, clients have come to us like Dennis um, with specific uh, design needs for numbers. But the vast majority of our clients come to us with uh, a need for an overall design, of which the end number is always an integral part. Yeah. So um, anytime you do a design for any aircraft, that is one of the key areas you focus on, especially when you acquire a 12-inch number and especially when it's on a smaller aircraft because that number takes up a lot of real estate on the side of the aircraft. Right. And so it has to be considered an integral part of the whole artistic design to make it work. Got it. How do I put a 12-inch number into this airplane and not make it look like crap? Because mm-hmm. we've already know how to make it look like crap, just get up 2-inch vinyl tape. But <laughs> yeah, You had a specific problem with your aircraft in that you you had significant bold stripes down the fuselage of different colors. And the issue was, how do I fit in a 12-inch end number and in some way integrate it with the stripes? We could go online or to Sporties and just buy some black end numbers for 50 bucks and slap them on there. But it would look like we bought end numbers for $50 and slapped them on there. And I said, there has to be a better way. You know, we've seen the work that you turn out, uh, you know, very, very impressive paint jobs on uh, big jets and small airplanes. And I said, you know, if anybody knows how to fix this problem, I bet he would. Yeah. Well, when you finally uh, make the adjustments to your aircraft, hopefully we'll be saying the same thing. Exactly. We've seen the mock-ups. <laughs> we haven't seen the final product, but I have no doubt you'll you'll make it work. But the the trick, too, was to try to do this without setting up Dennis for an entirely new paint job. So you've just kind of taken that section of his stripes, and you're, you guys are going to put in those numbers and that kind of thing and, and kind of work your magic. Is that the plan? Right. Right. It is a trick to integrate into an existing scheme. You, you had several problems here. You had two shades of blue existing on the aircraft, and it's incredibly difficult to find exact matches in vinyl for those specific shades. So we already have to deal with the fact that the air number may be a slightly different shade from one of the blues on the aircraft. Right. And then with existing stripes, you've got the other consideration to think of. If you're laying vinyl over existing stripes, stripe edges will be visible underneath um, because the the stripe on the white paint has dimension. And unless it has a clear coat over it, uh, the edges of the stripe have a feel to them, a hard edge. Um, So that also has to be taken into account. Hmm. And in this particular plane, as I said earlier, there was no alternative but to integrate uh, registration numbers with the stripes. So there's some uh, settling that needs to be done when you're uh, deciding on a final solution because that final solution is not going to be the perfect solution as if you repainted it. We also had to come up with a, uh, a way to uh, deal with the existing registration numbers, which are just three inches high and incorporated into one of the stripes up high on the tail. What do you do with that? You don't want to be flying around with you know, small numbers and big numbers, that would look really dorky. Mm. So no. I think we came up with a very creative solution of using a contrasting vinyl color so we don't have to worry about matching it and then hiding the end numbers by putting a Just Plain Radio logo in there. Right, which I think will work very well. I love that uh, idea. Overall, the cost of doing this to the aircraft and getting it to look just how you want it is going to be uh, very low. Cost is always a consideration. I can come and put a Picasso-style painting all over the side of your aircraft, and it will cost more than the value of your aircraft. (laughs) And that's not normally the goal. What's the most unique uh, or extravagant paint scheme that you've been commissioned to do? 
that is one of the most difficult questions to answer. And yeah. the reason is I finished over 13,500 unique designs for aircraft right. all over the world. Has anybody requested a Picasso on their aircraft? Uh, no. Okay, just had, checking. The most unusual was actually a vinyl design, which a lot of people would have seen at Oshkosh and either loved or hated. And that was on a Cessna 340 in a sim- similar situation to this. The owner wanted a huge rubber chicken that spread from the, the tip of the nose all the way up the tail, <laughs> right over the top of his existing paint job. Nice. Um, and then that aircraft got parked in such a location at Oshkosh that everybody exiting the parking area drove directly towards it until they they came to the fence and had to turn. So everybody saw it. And what was interesting is the number of people who came by my booth and said, hey, man, did you happen to see the chicken plane? And then I would say yes, but I would make no further comment. I to see whether they said <laughs> but I had nothing to do with it. Or it was disgusting. <laughs> you didn't want to claim that one, huh? You know, I claimed uh, it where appropriate and didn't say anything where inappropriate. <laughs> the customer is always right. I'll leave it at that. Exactly. We've done Star Wars themed aircraft we've done seascape themed aircraft where the entire aircraft uh, has a whole seascape and airbrushed fish and manta rays and whatnot on it a little bit of everything a little bit of everything and we've done tons of patriotic type schemes u.s and for other countries you got an idea uh, they'll get it on your aircraft or consult with you and maybe even give you a, a few ideas on their own and all they got to do is go to your website to check out for more information right craig what is it right schemedesigners.com simple enough well thank you so much and we got more coming up on just plain radio Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. I've been up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet. I'm going to fly on out of here on wings that you can't see. If you're going to fly high without fear, you're going to have to learn to love the atmosphere. And you got to learn to use those wings you can't see. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that's me along with Captain Dennis. About to get his Mooney 201 upgraded with a better, uh, I don't know, number scheme. It's it's kind of like uh, painting your entire aircraft, all that design work they're doing. And, and you've already posted something up at JustPlaneRadio.com. Uh, or at least the before picture and the after, or the rendering. Is that what you're doing, Dennis? What's going on? Yep, we're gonna. I'll have uh, photos of the airplane that well, the one that we took in the Bahamas with our lovely tape paint job, and uh, also Craig had sent me a whole bunch of, of uh, renders of possible options. So I'm going to put the one that we're going with. Uh, have that posted up there so you can kind of see what our before and after uh, looks like. You're and gonna put a chicken you on your are, aircraft. You might want to do that. You know, now. I almost want to now. It really gave me some ideas. <laughs> you know, maybe we put one on the belly of the plane. There you so go. So as you fly over, it really stands out. Right. But but for those of you that are intrigued, uh, go out Google search for a rubber chicken Cessna. I guarantee it'll show up, and it is hilarious. I bet it's a good way to get a lot of a lot of attention. You know, uh, you know, you can't unsee it once you do. So if that's what you're going for, you want people to recognize you, why, why not get creative? Uh, that yeah, makes your plane stand out. I mean, everybody's got a white airplane, you know, so what? <laughs> now your stands out. You're, yeah, it's the rubber chicken plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're parked out by the fence yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, feel free to submit your ideas for Dennis. 
if you if we could put anything you want on his aircraft. Now this really got me thinking. So uh, there's a lot of things I know will be inappropriate, but that's probably what we're going to end up picking. So uh, feel free to suggest uh, your your uh, graphic design ideas for his Mooney two hundred one to info at justplainradio.com. And we'll see what happens. In the meantime, you can check out the post at the website as well, and we'll get before and after pictures up there. Okay, so look, we have a story here on five ways to make your pre-flight safety check just that much better. Right, Dennis? That's coming up? Yep. I mean, everybody knows the basics. Check for bird nests, check the oil. But uh, there are some other things that can be done while you're at it. Uh, You mean like hit the head, grab a burger, pick up a passenger? No, I don't think any of those are one of these five tips. But uh, we'll find out what they are next right here on Just Plain Radio. Stay close. Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. With Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Six bucks in my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. We are your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information and trying to share a few tips to make you a better pilot overall. And that's where uh, this next little segment, uh, you know, might help. Five tips to add to your pre-flight list, I guess. Is it, and, and this came from who, Dennis? This came from Jeff Simon of Social Flight. Okay. And it... I, I just thought that it was just, it seems like common sense, but a lot of us don't think about them. And I thought Jeff did a really good job putting this list together and it makes so much sense. I mean, when you go out and pre-flight the, uh, the airplane, I know it was a long time ago, Greg, but yeah. how did you do it? You I just walked, walked around the, the tie down, right? Well, yeah. I did tie downs. I look for little things. I, I look for pieces that were falling off the aircraft, you know. But uh, and hopefully you didn't find any of those. No, nope, never did. Thank goodness. Oh, the one yep. that I always thought was amusing was the whole bird nest stuff. I'm like, what? Look for critters that have built stuff and nests and inside your cowlings. And I'm like, that is a little strange. Uh, Do you but think that that's a problem? It is. I mean, it, it yeah. happens. <laughs> well, yeah. I have great pictures of the Mooney when I was first looking at it before I bought it. There was a family of starlings nesting in the engine compartment. Well, that and is Do you weird. know how long it took to get that mess out of there before we could do anything with it? Well, it wouldn't it take was a couple very hours. Long. I would just, well, all you got to do is start up the engine. No, that wouldn't be no, appropriate. No. Because right. it was, they actually were nesting right in the uh, oil cooler. So the nest was way in the back of the engine and the, behind the, the second set of cylinders and packed into that oil cooler. And so you had to evict the tenants first, yeah. then get all of the straw and all the gunk and out everything of there. else out of there. Yeah, that was, I, I don't wish that on anybody. Okay. That's not cool. But uh, just for PETA's sake, you relocated them. I'm I evicted them, yes. Yeah, well, okay. 
in a in a humane way, we're going to say we did. Yes, okay, no, just I check. Mean, we didn't. Yeah, we set them off to the side of the ramp. We didn't do anything harsh with them. Yeah, they had a good dinner that night. No, I'm kidding. All right. So anyway, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> yeah, the initial reaction I had to looking for bird nests in the engine was like, huh? I kind of did a double take to Keith when he suggested such a stuff. And then the other thing was when we flew to the bomb, I was like, okay, this time you're not looking for nests. You're looking for um, additional what, square, cargo. square groupers or something like that is, is sometimes we refer to them as divers uh, stuffed into some holes and things. But uh, that's a whole nother thing. These five tips are more, I don't know, traditional, but you said they're kind of like common sense type items or what? They're common sense, um, but you don't really think about it that you're actually doing it as part of your, your pre-flight. So like I was asking you, how did you pre-flight your plane? So you went out to the tie down spot and probably the last thing you did is take the ropes off and, and then you fired it up and taxied out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you missed an opportunity because what the first suggestion that Jeff makes was to move the plane. Move the take plane? Take the tow what bar. Yeah. Well, how, you know, are the brakes frozen? Uh, do you, you know, are they, are they dragging? How would you know that if you just get in and start the engine and go and you're taxing out in the meantime, your brakes are heating up. You have no idea, but uh, you know, in my case, I have the airplane in a T hanger. And so pulling the airplane out of the T hanger, one makes it a little bit easier to do the walk around, but two, if it's really hard to pull, I may want to go and take a look at the brakes and, you know, is it a little rusty down there? Are they sticking? Did I leave the parking brake set? You know, things like that. And so moving, it gives you an opportunity to check for that. It, are, does the nose wheel feel like it's loose when you put that tow bar on? Does it just swing from side to side or does it have the usual tension that you're used to feeling? Things like that, um, be aware of it as you're moving the plane around. It gives it can tell you a lot about the condition other than just taking in, looking at it visually. Right. Well, now the... You know, the Cessna 172 that I was learning in, I believe we set the parking brake, so I wouldn't be able to do that, would I? I think You can take the parking brake off. Well, take that off before you try to move it, obviously. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that, that makes sense. I mean, sense. if you want to go for the Ironman competition, yeah, try to pull the airplane with the parking brake on. It's a good test. Right. So you're, re- you're really and not uh, pre-flighting the plane as much as you're just showing off. Look what right. I can do. Oh, me move plane. Yeah, maybe. And then you wonder why you get so hot and sweaty and need ice packs before you go fly. True. Yeah, it's kind of a Florida thing, yeah. All right, yeah. so uh, move the plane around. Just see how it rolls. So it rolls how you expect it to, right? So that's one yep. tip. The next tip actually kind of plays into that. It's now that you move the plane out of the way, look where it was and is there anything left behind? You know, You were talking about parts falling off, but... You know, the airplanes have a good uh, good habit of marking their territory. And if mm. you see an outline of the airplane, maybe you want to look at how much oil you're losing. Um, you know, my plane does have a, a couple drips that come out here and there out of the breathers. And I've actually just gotten in the habit of parking it on a big aluminum tray just so that I don't have to keep cleaning the concrete floor. I can just go and wipe the tray up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it was, com- you know, if there was leaks coming from other places like midway uh, down the tail, well, that's where the hydraulic fluid is for the brakes. And maybe I've got a leak, you know, if I'm seeing red hydraulic fluid, you know, that's, hey, that's not supposed to be there and may warrant a call to the mechanic instead of uh, trying to hit the brakes and not being able to stop. Right. So those types of things make a lot of sense. Okay. So, see if your plane leaves a mark. 
so to speak. Market's territory. Mm-hmm. You don't want it to, or at least not to a level where you think it could be uh, worse than it typically is. Okay, so that's uh, that's two. There's three more. What do you got? So exercising the struts. So uh, on the Mooney, this is a little bit hard to do because our suspension system is actually a bunch of rubber donuts. Uh, but on a Cessna or a Piper Cherokee uh, or most other airplanes, they use some sort of a, a hydraulic strut. And so uh, getting taking your hands and pulling on the propeller and being able to pull that nose gear down and making sure that the, the gear rebounds the way it's supposed to or that it's not sitting all the way down in the bottom of the strut. Um, that's probably part of your normal pre-flight, but, you know, just giving it a couple of bounces just to make sure they're working or, you know, stepping back after you move the plane are both of the wings roughly level. If you've got a, a piper that has, you know, hydraulic uh, struts on both wings, um, you know, you, you get an idea to, of, hey, do I have a leaking strut on one side or the other? Mm-hmm. Uh, look for those types of things just to make sure that there aren't any issues. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It would just make the ride better for you, too, if they're working correctly, right? Well, At least and, while and you're it taxing. could actually save you. Yeah, exactly. And it could save you some maintenance. Um, if your strut is collapsed and you're riding on the bottom, one, that's causing a lot of unnecessary wear to the strut. But in the case of a Mooney, um, we have a wet wing. We don't have a, a rubber bladder inside the the wing. It's actually just sealed up and glued. And if you're getting all of that pounding on the pavement, it can cause that wing to, to stress and crack that glue, which then starts to leak, which then causes for a very expensive uh, resealing of the wing. Hmm. So keeping up on that stuff can save you money in the long run. Right. And two words you never want in the same sentence is uh, wing and crack. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. What else we have on this? Another tip. Uh, cl- cleaning your antennas. Hmm. Now, uh, some of the airplanes have got antennas mounted onto the underside of the belly. And yeah. those antennas are going to get really gross because of the uh, the oil that's being slung off the engine as you fly. It seems to collect right on the belly. and um, That grease and dirt and whatnot can also interfere with the ability of that antenna to, to receive the signals. And actually can break the plastics and stuff that down over time too so getting under there with a rag every now and then and getting intimate with the belly of your airplane is not just an aesthetic uh consideration but it's also a maintenance idea wow you know keeping i did not realize clean. that uh just the gunk on your antenna could actually interfere with uh transmission yeah it's it's a layer of uh, oil and dirt that could you know maybe cut the range down a little bit or like I said, it could also cause that antenna, that, that composite or resin or whatever it is to break down and which then could cause, uh, the inside the wire in there to be exposed and corrode and, and cause your antenna to break entirely. And now mm. you're having to replace an antenna. Not good. You don't want any no. of that. Uh, so take the time, clean it off. Um, you know, on my airplane, I've got a couple antennas on the roof as well. And those tend to get missed when we debug the airplane after a flight. So every now and then taking a rag and cleaning uh, cleaning the evidence uh, off is a good idea, too. Well, that sounds good. You know, so take advantage of some of those tips. Uh, it'll make your pre-flight uh, a little bit uh, more efficient uh, so you don't have any more surprises. All right, look, uh, we got to talk about electric beavers. It's not what you think, but it's coming up next on <laughs> Just Plane Radio.
Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Be an explorer in the other two-thirds of your world. Be the buddy who takes the kids in the aquarium instead of just to it. Be adventurous. Be amazed. Be a diver. For nearly 75 years, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association has been a beacon for those who cherish the freedom to fly. AOPA protects your rights as a pilot by fighting airspace restrictions, fuel taxes, user fees, airport closings, and other issues that threaten your ability to take to the sky. AOPA is on the front lines every day to ensure that general aviation and the interests of its members are promoted and safeguarded. Learn more about how you can become a member at AOPA.org. Imagine traveling twice as fast as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night. Or just imagine exploring the wild blue yonder. Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot. And flight training professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com. You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. What's rattling back there? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know what this thing is. My controls. Roger that. Is that tow bar come loose? Well, I don't know. Is is this is this the tow bar? Yeah, that's it. Oh, oops, sorry, the bag. Sorry, no, it's all right. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Peanut brittle. Could this day get any better? No! Oh, oh, no! Get the tow bar off no! the yoke. No, it's stuck between the seat. I got it. I got it. Oh! Oh! oh. Stay with us, Gus. Oh my God, those cheekbones. You look like JFK Jr. Oh, he looks like JFK Jr. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, put it on autopilot. Put it on autopilot. There is no autopilot. This is a lawnmower with wings. So you fly remote control planes. Do what you do there. I crash them. That's why I buy them all the time. Oh, I was wrong. I don't want to die this way. Oh, I'll settle for a nice, boring death at ground level. Well, technically, we will be dying at ground level. Uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, we're good. All right, just so you know, I completely kept my cool through that whole thing. This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me, along with Captain Dennis, rounding out the crew. All right, so I can't count because we said we had five tips to to add to your pre-flight list, and we only did four. I thought we had gotten through all five, but uh, I can't count. So, uh, so the fifth one, just to get it done, 
and uh, you know deliver on what we promised is what Dennis to check your avionics. Check so your avionics. Just turn them on or what? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, normally, we don't start up uh, the avionics until after the engine is running, but right. uh, the engine makes a lot of noise. It's really hard to hear if there's other problems going on. So the the recommendation here is to turn on your avionics before you start the engine. You know, and maybe use that as an opportunity to get the ATIS and stuff like that before you're actually uh, having to pay for the airplane. So this could be a money-saving tip as well hmm. because the Hobbs isn't running while you're, you know, listening to the, the latest ATIS information. But that can tell you a lot about what's going on. If you turn that switch on, normally you want to hear your turn coordinator spinning up if you've got an old six-pack panel. Yeah. Um, and if it's not spinning up, then that uh, either your battery's dead or maybe your gyro just uh, failed. Uh, it's a great way to, you know, just to listen to the health of it. You know, you could even hear if you maybe have a bad uh, cooling fan because you might have a noisier than normal, uh, you know, sound in the in the cockpit that would have been masked by the engine noise. Understood. So take advantage of those uh, those opportunities. And, and you maybe you don't have to do it on every pre-flight, maybe just uh, once a month when you're upgrading your databases. But take a minute and listen to your plane. It might tell you something. Hmm. So just listen to how the avionics, you know, power up. And then you'll at least yep. know what it sounds like when it's running properly and when it's not. Or you hear some kind of hard drive sound that doesn't sound normal. like ring, ring, ring. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that idea. Okay, so there. Now we got all five tips to add to your uh, pre-flight. I like that. Now let's get on to the electric beavers. What is this? Please explain, because there's so much I want to say right now that I know I shouldn't. I, I'm sure, but this is a family show. Not hardly. So, not hardly? Okay. What? All right. So, Harbor Air, uh, we, we talked about them several months ago. Um, they're looking to convert one of their de Havilland Beaver seaplanes to be electric. Uh, Harbor Air is unique in that they fly throughout the, uh, the, the Washington, you know, Vancouver Sound area. Mm -hmm. And most of their flights are 30 minutes to an hour long, which with their current state of battery technology is absolutely a sweet spot. And so they're in the process of converting that first airplane, and it looks like it could uh, fly by uh, by early next year. I like it. And I would imagine these are fairly scenic flights, too, aren't they? I mean, oh, can you imagine? You know, the Puget Sound area, yeah. it's just gorgeous. All the islands and inlets and orcas and whatever else you'd see out there. Be quieter and, because it's an electric motor. I would assume it would be quieter. It would definitely sound oh, different. It's going to be a lot quieter than a yeah. uh, you know Pratt and Whitney R nine eighty five radial up front, or even a a, a turbine because a lot of them have been converted to turbine power. Right. Uh, but years ago, I used to work for a, a company up in northern Minnesota that had a De Havilland Beaver, and we would spend a half hour or more before every flight just getting the uh, that big radial engine warmed up. Mm -hmm. So imagine the the neighbors uh, are going to probably be a lot happier to not hear the radial sitting out there idling. Uh, you just get in, click the switch, and the nearly silent electric motor pulls you away from the dock, and off you go. Oh, all the critters in the area would appreciate it, too. You might be able to get closer to them. Who knows? But I, I think it's a great uh, effort. It'll be interesting to see how this whole process works out for them. That sounds like a road trip plan for Just Plain Radio. You're with me on that, right? Let's go. That'd be fantastic. Good Lord, let's One. go. Yeah. <laughs> 
hey, we'll bring some scuba gear. You know, maybe we can go dive with the wolf eels off the coast. Now you're talking. It. Now you're talking. But, All right. But you're going to have to bring a really warm wetsuit because the water's not exactly uh, to your 80-80-80 standards. Right. There. Well, it may be good just to kind of stay topside. All right. So there's one more quick story about drones that we want to get out there before we wrap things up today. And it entails what exactly? Well, it's a reminder to drone operators that it is actually a violation of federal law to interfere with firefighting activities. And right now there's been uh, a lot of fires going on in L.A. and they've had to actually stand down their helicopters multiple times recently because drones have been seen flying in and around the fires in the areas that are, you know, a TFR is, is over there. So you're not supposed to be flying in the first place. Yeah. But uh, these hel- these drones are interfering with the helicopter's ability to go in, put these fires out, save property and save lives. You would think so, that is common sense, but uh, of course we're talking about California. So all bets are off. Right. But that and, is. And uh, it really comes down to common sense on the pilots too. It's like. You know, you can't just go out there and fly these things anywhere you want. You had to go and fill out a registration form. You were notified. Stop it. Because if if they don't, then we're going to see some, a lot more restrictions coming down on drone operators. And, you know, it might wind up going the way of the UK where to even register the plane, you're going to have to take a mandatory knowledge test and get an actual license. And uh, I'm pretty sure the drone operators would really rather not have uh, more restrictions put on them. Yes, they they got too many pyromaniacs out there. They're like, fire, fire. You know, their brain turns off and they forget about this thing. So we got to remind them, you know, make sure you're operating within the proper guidelines or they'll take you down by force. That's a possibility, too. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Till next time, remember, there's no better high than learning to fly. Just Plane Radio is brought to you by JustPlaneRadio.com. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from Morbid. Your aviation resource on the information super skyway. It's the only way to be sure. Just Plane Radio is a production of Overboard Entertainment Incorporated. But just plain wrong. Remember, you can listen live or to archives of past shows worldwide over the internet at JustPlaneRadio.com. I'm going to leave my people up to the radio tower. So tell a friend and take off every week with Just Plane Radio. And I'm going to make a call. The show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. (laughs) Listen up, everybody. I see news. The opinions you just heard on Just Plane Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests. We are screwed. They are not necessarily those of any station or network, its management or advertisers. A little too far. Cross the line. There are many factors to consider before learning to fly. What is your problem? So make sure you do your own research and get the proper instruction before your exploration into aviation. Thank you very much, sir. Have any questions or comments? Feel free to do so via the web at JustPlaneRadio.com. 